sitting in an eye hospital often we have ideas but we have no clue whom to ask uh, but honestly now we know that there is a team at msr that we can reach out uh, saying that hey here is a problem we think this warrants attention do you think you guys can solve it and uh, we found that work really well so this kind of a collaboration is i think a phenomenal impact that this project has brought together and uh, we hope that uh, together we'll be able to come up with few more solutions that can uh, align with our founders dream of eliminating needless blindness from india welcome to the microsoft research india podcast where we explore cutting edge research that's impacting technology and society i'm your host shridhar vedantam Keratoconus is a severe eye disease that affects the cornea, causing it to become thin and develop a conical bulge. Keratoconus, if undiagnosed and untreated, can lead to partial or complete blindness in people affected by it. However, the equipment needed to diagnose keratoconus is expensive and non-portable, which makes early detection of keratoconus inaccessible to large populations in low and middle-income countries. This makes it a leading cause for partial or complete blindness among such populations. Doctors from the Shankara Eye Hospital Bengaluru and researchers from Microsoft Research India have been working together to develop Smart KC, a low-cost and portable diagnostic system that can enable early detection and mitigation of keratoconus. Join us as we speak to Dr. Kaushik Murli from Shankara Eye Hospital and Dr. Mohit Jain from Microsoft Research India. So Dr. Kaushik and Mohit, welcome to the podcast. Hi Shridhar. Hi Shridhar, pleasure to be here. It's our pleasure to host you Dr. Kaushik and uh, for me this is going to be a really interesting podcast for a couple of reasons. One is that uh, the topic itself is kind of so far afield from what I normally hear at Microsoft Research. And the second is I think you're the first guest we're having on the podcast who's actually not part of MSR, so basically a collaborator. So this is really exciting for me. So let me jump right into this. Um, We're going to be talking about something called keratoconus. So could you educate us a little bit as to what keratoconus actually is and what its impact is? So imagine that uh, you were a 14-year-old who was essentially nearsighted. Uh, you wore glasses and you were able to see. But with passing time, your vision became more distorted uh, rather than being blurred. which is what you would have expected if just your minus bar kept increasing especially for distance and to add to your misery you started seeing more glare and more halos at night time words that you started to read had shadows around them or even started to look double this essentially is the world of a person with keratoconus literally it means cone shaped uh, keratoconus is a condition of the cornea which is the transparent front part of the eye similar to your watch glass where instead of it normally retaining its dome shape it is characterized by progressive thinning and weakening of the central part what we call as a stroma and this makes the cornea take on a conical shape in a few this can actually even progress beyond what i described where the central cornea over time becomes scarred and the person could no longer be corrected with just optical devices like a glass or a contact lens but may actually end up requiring a corneal transplant I see. And uh, what are the causes for this? 
So there have been uh, very many causes that have been attributed. So it's thought to be multifactorial. Uh, so this again uh, makes it a little tricky in terms of us uh, not being able to prevent the condition, so to speak. But multiple risk factors are known: ultraviolet exposure, chronic allergies, a habitual eye rubber is thought to uh, be more prone for this. Uh, essentially, you end up seeing it more uh, during the pubertal age group. and more in men i see and uh, how widespread is this problem really because frankly uh, i am of course a very as layer person as you can get and i hadn't really heard of uh, eye disease called keratoconus until i uh, spoke to mohit at some point and then of course after reading papers and so on but uh, what is the extent of the issue and uh, is it really that widespread uh, uh, problem so unlike uh, most other conditions there is no real population based survey where we have screened every household to arrive at numbers but largely we base our estimation on small surveys that have been done across different parts of the world based on this we estimate that it is approximately affecting about 1 in 2000 individuals so in the us for example it is thought to affect almost about 55 people in about 100000 uh, who had been diagnosed with keratoconus but uh, in countries like india it is thought to be more widespread so there was actually a survey in central india where they found uh, almost uh, 2300 people out of 100000 people being uh, affected with keratoconus so the numbers are quite large and again all of this could be underestimated simply because we don't have enough ability to screen and what makes this number even scarier is this is a disease that typically affects people between the age group of 10 and 25 so once they are affected and they progressively going to have their vision come down they go to spend most of their productive years not being able to see clearly okay that is kind of scary i would just like to add to that is that there is actually a combination of uh, demographics genetic and weather condition which makes india a really good host for this disease So apparently, uh, uh, Indian population tend to have a thinner and cheaper cornea to begin with, and moreover, the hot and humid climate of India actually contribute towards keratoconus because it causes eye irritation, which leads to frequent rubbing of the eye, and that can actually start the process of distortion of the cornea. Okay, so that just made the problem sound a little scarier because there are these conditions that cannot be altered, right? I mean, climate and stuff like that we can't really change. Um, okay, doctor. So uh, you know, so this is basically a well-established and recognized disease, right? So, what are the barriers and hurdles actually to effective diagnosis and uh, treatment of this disease? So, in any health intervention, the barriers typically are availability, accessibility, and affordability. And when you look at a condition like keratoconus, it is uh, all these barriers actually again come into play. So the clinical gold standard for diagnosing keratoconus essentially entails us being able to map the curvature of the corneal surface using a technique known as corneal topography. So here we either use a, something called as a placido based where you project a, a disc kind of structure onto the cornea and capture an image using uh, tomographers or you use uh, certain other technology to map out the surface of the cornea both the anterior and the posterior surface but all these devices by and large are non portable and are expensive uh, 
and these are typically available again at secondary or tertiary eye hospitals india is a land of diversity we have some of the best healthcare in cities like bangalore where we are sitting and doing this recording while you move about 150 200 kilometers away it's a completely different world out there the cost of each of these tests again makes this diagnosis very inaccessible to large sections of population not only in india but in similar middle and low income countries and to add to this you have the bogey of the pandemic so with covid-19 in play the last two years with restrictions on travel it has become very difficult for young children to actually undergo annual eye exams where we could have even proactively tried to pick up some of these conditions okay all right uh, mohit let me bring you in here i'm curious as to what microsoft research is doing as part of this particular research collaboration right because uh, keratoconus sounds very very far afield from uh microsoft research's typical computer science focus so i think one of the key pillars of msr india is societal impact so if we can develop a diagnostic tool which can save even a handful of children getting blind we think it has huge societal impact and microsoft research india completely i think supports such kind of technological solutions uh with respect to the computer science research lab so we have developed a solution which actually uses cutting edge uh, ai uh, especially in the field of image processing and uh, and then also we have developed a full end to end system so hence there are like enough uh, computer science uh, uh, research problem really hard ones that we actually solve as part of this research collaboration Okay so that's a good lead in to me uh, to talk a little bit about the solution that's been developed here. Yeah so i think the solution has actually three core components. Uh so the first component is actually a placebo disk like what Dr Koshik said that like there has to be something which projects concentric rings over the cornea. So we actually 3D printed a uh, a placebo disk. So we we actually attached that uh, a placebo to the to the back of a smartphone camera and then capture an image of the cornea with the placebo projected over the cornea of a, of a human and the second component we have is actually a smartphone app which has inbuilt ai in it so in real time it actually helps the person who is capturing the image to actually get a perfect image because uh, i think one of the core uh, design principles that we had while while working on this was to make sure that anyone can use this app to actually diagnose okay we don't want like medical technician to to be only be able to use it okay so there is some kind of uh, ai assistance to to help capture a perfect image of the eye and the third then we have like a image processing pipeline which which takes this captured image as input and convert that into corneal topography heat maps so basically it gives a curvature heat map which tells you like what is the curvature at each point of the cornea and that is the kind of output that you also get from a medical grade uh, corneal topographer so the way you explain it sounds very simple but i'm sure there were a bunch of challenges while uh, you know both uh, shankar and uh, msr was doing the research can you give me a sense of what kind of challenges you faced yes yes i think the most trickiest part of this project was to actually uh, do it in a portable setting so right now the corneal topographer that uh, that is like a 10000 dollar device which is there in sankra hospital there is actually a headrest and a chinrest 
so basically your uh, your whole face like the patient face is very very stable and hence the the image capture process is fairly easy apart from that the the topographer has a lot of uh, specific hardware for example it has a specific hardware to determine how far is the eye from the camera so which is actually called as a working distance uh, and getting that parameter right is very crucial like even a few millimeters of actually uh, predicting that value wrong can actually uh, completely change the generated heat map so we have to actually design a uh, very innovative solution to figure out this working distance uh, directly just from the captured image and the second part was that like we actually uh, did a lot of iteration on the placido disk and also on the ai assistance which was actually running on the smartphone uh, to actually help capture the best image even without any kind of a support system in place like without any headrest or chin rest dr koshik uh, was there anything you wanted to add to that in terms of challenges from a medical point of view so from the medical point of view uh, we are uh, people of habit uh, when i say that uh, there is certain things that we are comfortable about and certain things that puts us off so one of the key challenges we gave to the msr team was saying that the interface and reports had to be similar uh, to what we were used to seeing so i think the challenge also came to the team in terms of ensuring that the heat maps were similar to the heat maps that we were used to seeing using a regular topographer and how we actually were able to match with it so the minute we were able to get that kind of familiarity built in uh, we found our doctors also being able to accept it much better and uh, once that was done then automatically the learning curve uh, that came in in terms of using the device or interpreting the images uh, came down very very fast so we were able to adapt to this much faster we were even able to get some of our colleagues from other units to read these heat maps that we generated just to validate it because we were also concerned saying that uh, when you are putting it out as a screening device you shouldn't end up overestimating the disease because there is a indirect cost to a person and imagine the psychological impact to a parent if you tell him your young child may have a possible problem so we didn't want to do that so we were very finicky about the validation so it went through multiple iterations almost to the effect that uh, mohit and his team could have lunch on a thursday only after they finished a call with us <laughs> <laughs> to add to that this is actually a very crucial point initially what we were thinking so there are like these two values called as sensitivity and specificity so just to give you uh, some context here sensitivity is actually uh, if if the person has keratoconus are we able to diagnose it as keratoconus so that's the sensitivity specificity is that like if the person does not have keratoconus are we actually even diagnosing that correctly so we were thinking that we need to get like really high sensitivity we cannot leave anyone who has keratoconus undiagnosed but we can have low specificity that even someone who does not have keratoconus we can say that he or she has keratoconus and still it's okay because then he or she will actually go to a doctor and get checked up maybe for a second time and then it will be diagnosed that he or she does not have keratoconus but dr koshik uh, specifically was, was really against that okay so he actually made a problem statement harder saying that we want both sensitivity and specificity to be above 92% okay because because he does not want like parents to be unnecessarily worrying that their the derkit who is like in his teens right now and he has like this very serious eye condition so hence we actually have to like yeah 
as what Dr. Kaushik said, like you have to go through multiple iteration to even like get the uh, specificity right. And right now, I think uh, we are at a stage where we have like both the numbers which are above 94% for a small trial that we did with Sankra with more than 100 uh, patients. And in future, we plan to actually extend that trial and like yeah, do it in many more patients. A question for uh, both you, Mohit, as well as uh, Dr. Kaushik, so whoever uh, wants to answer it. You know, you just uh, put out some numbers there in terms of percentages, right, Uh, to say that uh, this solution works well. But typically, these need to be tagged against some kind of industry benchmark or some kind of medical benchmark, given the established machines and equipment already uh, that that are being already used, right? So how does uh, this smart KC uh, stack up against those? Uh, so once the MSR team had come up with a complete solution and uh, they had tested in their lab the reliability of the solution, so to speak, with the images that they had with them, uh, we then applied to our ethics committee for a prospective study. So we enrolled subjects uh, coming to our hospital And uh, we had them get their cornea image with the smart KC as well as with the placido-based topography system that we have in a hospital that we would typically have used in any case. Uh, One index that the device that we use in the hospital uses to identify keratoconus is an index called as the percentage probability of keratoconus or the PPK value. This, if it is more than 45%, is supposed to indicate the presence of keratoconus. So what we found was with the smart KC, the sensitivity of PPK value was 94.1% and the specificity was 100%, which was pretty comparable to what we had with our other device, which stood at about 94.1% sensitivity and 95.5% specificity. More importantly, whenever you use any device as a screening tool is how repeatable is it and how is the inter-rater agreement? If two different people use the same device on the same person, are they actually reading it out the same? So again, in this, we found uh, those indices to be really, really high. So there's something called as the Cohen's Kappa value. Uh, this was about 0.94 for our tool, which compared to 0.96 for the device that we have in the hospital. This essentially indicates a fair agreement between two experts diagnosing keratoconus based on the images that we are generating using the smart KC. Wow, that's impressive. Uh, I had another question. You know, whenever I've been into uh, an eye hospital, there always seems to be somebody who's well-trained as a technician operating various machines. How does it work with this? I mean, do you need any specific training on smart KC? How intensive is that? And who are there any particular types of people you look for or some kind of skill level in people who can operate a smart KC unit? So currently, most of the data that was collected uh, has been done by our optometry interns at the Shankara College of Optometry. Uh, So the skill set that was required was not uh, very high. Uh, Like Mohit mentioned earlier, there is some assistance in terms of even how you can capture an image. So the eventual... uh, Endpoint for us would be this being uh, used at a peripheral vision center or at some uh, primary health center as a part of a school screening program where a lay person can pick up this device and actually capture an image and at least be able to counsel the person about uh, 
them having to have a further examination. So the training that would probably be required is largely in terms of what the condition that they are screening for and what the next action needs to be. So it's more counseling skill, I would say, rather than anything really technical. The machine does it all. It gives them a heat map. It tells them what the value is. It kind of literally puts up a red flag saying, boss, be careful. There is a problem here. So I'm guessing that's all part of uh, uh, the technology that's been built into it. Say, you know, various uh, guardrails to ensure that whoever is operating it is doing it in the right way. Mohit? Yes, yes, Razor. So basically, in the latest version of the app, what we have done is that like the operator, whoever is actually capturing the image, he or she doesn't even have to click the capture button. So you just have to place the uh, the smart KC on a patient eye and it automatically tries to align it appropriately with the eye. And once the alignment is right, once the image does not have any kind of a blur and the focus is appropriate, the light is fine, it automatically captures three images. So that actually uh, makes the process really easy for the operator and he or she does like needs to go through very minimal training uh, to get up and running with the device. Nice. And, uh, you know, we've referred earlier to the cost of uh, current machines that are there that are used in eye hospitals and so on, right? And one of the guiding principles behind uh, developing smart KC was for something to be portable, inexpensive, and easy to use in the field. Uh, one thing that I don't think we've spoken about yet is actually how inexpensive smart KC is. And I'm also curious to find out whether uh, the equipment that you use needs to be high-end. For example, do you need a high-end mobile phone to do it? And how, how does the whole system work? Yes. So currently, uh, for developing our research prototype, we actually end up spending like almost like $33 is the amount that we are end up spending making the device. Okay. Apart from the smartphone, the smartphone that we are using is a slightly high-end one. So it is around like a $400 device that we have used uh, for the current prototype. Uh, but moving ahead, we are actually for the next round of uh, of data collection with Sankara Hospital, we are actually trying out with like three different uh, devices. And uh, starting from like a $100 device, $200 device and a $300 device so that we can actually see that uh, with whether it works on all the devices. However, based on our current uh, work, we hypothesize that actually it can work on any standard smartphone. It just needs a decent camera. By the way, nowadays, even a very $100 device has like a 20 megapixel camera. So I think that's already taken care by the, by the most of the latest smartphone. So I think, uh, yeah, it, it should ideally work in all of them, but we will only know for sure once we have the second round of testing. Cool. Uh, so, you know, given that you've put in so much work and you've come up with something that sounds like a fantastic uh, solution, what kind of impact do you think uh, Smart KC can have or what kind of impact do you hope Smart KC will have? So right now, actually, we have discussed a few use cases with Dr. Kosick. And I think the most interesting use case is what Dr. Kosick initially referred to is the teacher use case. The biggest impact smart case he could have is that, let's say, uh, all the teachers in India, uh, even the rural one, urban one, semi-urban, or even like low-income community, even in urban India, they have access to smart KC. And every year, maybe twice a year or thrice a year, they screen every children in their school for keratoconus. And because the numbers are really high, the numbers are like two to three children out of every hundred children will have keratoconus. So with that in mind, we should be able to get like a few cases from every school. So if these are diagnosed 
very early on then there is a very very high likelihood that they could have been treated just by simple glasses or contact lens and they don't have to go through a surgery or corneal transplant or blindness which is the worst case situation by the way i think earlier uh, when we were talking about uh, corneal transplant so globally 27% of the corneal transplant happens to actually fix keratoconus so so it is it is a very deadly disease so i'm going to take off on a tangent uh, i'm actually going to look beyond just this particular solution so although i am here uh, representing shankara at this podcast a uh, couple of my colleagues actually did a deep dive into this entire solution dr anand and pallavi were there as well as uh, some of our faculty from the college of optometry uh, what this project has actually impacted us is to think of how we can actually leverage technology sitting in an eye hospital often we have ideas but we have no clue whom to ask uh, but honestly now we know that there is a team at msr that we can reach out uh, saying that hey here is a problem we think this warrants attention do you think you guys can solve it and uh, we found that work really well so this ability to collaborate between complete extremes of people uh, one and your medical specialists who have no clue about what engineering is today i think mohit knows more optometry than even i do <laughs> so they actually borrowed textbooks from us to read so this kind of a collaboration is i think a phenomenal impact that this project has brought together and uh, we hope that uh, together we'll be able to come up with few more solutions that can uh, align with our founders dream of eliminating needless blindness from india Nice. Congratulations, Mohit. Thank you. <laughs> I'll come to you for my next eye test. You'll soon start referring to him as Dr. Mohit. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think I've got all the information that I uh, really wanted. But one thing is, uh, you know, if people want to adopt Smart KC and they want to take it out uh, there in the field, what do they need to do and are there any particular requirements or criteria that they need to uh, fulfill etc i mean how do people get hold of this so right now we we have actually made everything open source so even the 3d print for the placido disk so the stl file of that is open source anyone can download it and like just like you take a print out you can actually go to a maker space and get a 3d print of that uh, even the app which is actually ai assisted app which is running on the smartphone we have only written it for an android phone so you can actually download it and you can install it on your android phone and connect that uh, smart kc placido attachment and can click an image of eye the image processing pipeline code is also completely open source so you the collected image you can then run on it to actually generate the corneal uh, topography heat map uh, so that is that is the current state uh, going ahead we are actually putting everything on the cloud so that once you have the placido disk and you capture an image it automatically goes to the cloud and gives you the final output excellent so i will uh, add links to various things on to the podcast page once we're done with this dr koshik uh, any final thoughts before we close this podcast so quite often we look at uh, challenges as challenges but uh, i think uh, essentially this collaboration has looked at uh, an opportunity and how we can actually work on it uh, all it required was to put some method to the madness and uh, what came up as one discussion is today i think turned out into three different projects that are currently underway uh, so this is something that is a potential Uh, it would be lovely if similar technology companies can collaborate with the uh, medical institutions across india 
Uh, we don't have to look elsewhere for solutions. It's all here. Uh, it's up to us to figure it out and run with it. That's a great note to end the podcast on. So once again, thank you so much, Dr. Kaushik and uh, Dr. Mohit. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, Shweta. <laughs> yeah.